Hey you guys and welcome back to another fabulous episode of Pageants and Prosecco. I hope you have your glass for this one because we are sipping with Charity Kramer, Miss Delaware United States 2018, but better known as not only a businesswoman, but the founder of the Society of Pageant Women, the big Facebook group that immediately blew up between us women, if you are a pageant woman and anyone else who's listening, but the Facebook group that blew up. So just a little bit about Charity, because I had to invite her to the show, of course, because we cover all things pageantry, and I joined the group on Facebook and saw that we had a lot of community, really, there. So I wanted to bring her on the episode to talk about the move, the mission behind the movement and what got her interested in starting this group and how she sees the vision. Kind of, you guys have seen posts on Facebook about it, and um, she just got her LLC, and now it's becoming a really big platform for us pageant women to get connected and get together. So I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Charity for those who are new to knowing her, I guess. Is that what I say? <laughs> she started competing in pageants in 2012. She competed for Miss Delaware Teen USA and won non-finalist in interview. Her reason for competing was to get scholarships for college, which she talks about on the show. And then she was recruited to compete in the Miss America organization. She held four local titles and she even made the top 10 in 2014. And in 2017, she competed for Delaware, Miss Delaware USA and placed top five while she was coaching herself. A few months later, she competed and won her current title in 2018 as Miss Delaware United States. She was a pageant coach for teens and under on her spare time. She is becoming a coach. Each of her clients have won their state titles over the past year. She has a platform which she has for the last like six years, promoting confidence among young women and the pursuit of STEM opportunities. So me and Charity talk about, oh my voice is like cracking. Me and Charity talk about coding and what it means for women to get into the field, how much money you can make in this field. Hello. And we talk about why women should get into it and kind of their hesitations about the STEM field and about coding. And Charity breaks it all down, how you can get involved in coding, what you do at each phase of your life where you might be, and how you can really come up in the world in the science, technology, engineering, and math field. So stay tuned because we get deep and we talk about it for real. But anyway, so Charity was also a volunteer and a programmer participant in J.P. Morgan Chase's Code for Good 24-Hour Hackathon. She is a current facilitator with Girls Who Code and was able to mentor third and twelfth grade, third through twelfth grade girls while teaching them a coding language called Python. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but apparently it's big. <laughs> so outside of competing and coaching, she built her own platform under Celeb Me, which is her business which support and manages Society of Pageant Women, LLC. Please say the LLC. <laughs> she has built websites for a few state pageant systems, small business owners in the tri-state area, and for herself. She also owns a small handmade organic skincare business with her mother, who is also one of her best friends. And they have helped clients with psoriasis, eczema, and more. So... I have my glass. I'm drinking something red. I'll talk about it in the show. But tune in. 
get your glasses ready and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Charity. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Pageants and Prosecco. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And for people who don't know you, can you just give them your history, your pageant history? Let us know who you are and how you came to join the pageant, the pageanthood. Yeah, so I originally started as a senior in high school out with Miss. Um, Delaware Team USA. I actually got recruited into it by my guidance counselor uh, to raise scholarship money for college. So I competed. I was doing talents. I sang, I sang, dance, and acted my entire life. And I didn't think pageantry was a huge, you know, step out of my comfort zone. So I decided to go ahead and do it. And six years later, here I am, Miss Delaware United States. I've competed and the Miss America organization. I've held four different titles with um, Miss Delaware America organization. And I have done a lot of community service work doing that as well. I've always done community service work, but through Miss America, I was able to discover my passion for my platform, which is STEMspiration. And I promoted and inspired young people to get involved in STEM technology, engineering, and mathematics. So I also promoted that during my year as Miss Delaware United States 2018. And after Miss United States, the national competition, I decided to start Society of Pageant Women, which is a sisterhood of pageant women internationally. So I wanted to connect with more women outside of competition. And then I also wanted women outside of competition to be exposed to other cultures and other pageant systems as well. So that's a little bit of my background in pageantry, how I got into it, and what I'm doing now with my pageant experience. What made you initially even want to consider competing for Delaware Teen USA? My guidance counselor uh, suggested it to me. I was looking for scholarship opportunities, and I was applying for different scholarships, and she saw it in a scholarship booklet as a, a way to raise money for college, and, see, and she said, why don't you compete? You know, I was always on stage singing and acting all the time. I was in musical theater, so I had the stage presence, and she thought it would be an easy way for me to gain scholarship money for college. So I went ahead and did it. Well, that was smart. Yeah. <laughs> Were you able to end up funding school through pageants? So not through the Miss Delaware USA pageant, Miss Delaware Teen USA pageant, but through Miss America, I definitely was able to pay at least like half my tuition every semester I was able to cover. So um, if not half, sometimes the entire uh, tuition for the semester. So it definitely was really helpful. Oh, nice. What school did you go to? Um, high school, I went to an art school. So I went to Cal Calloway School of the Arts. And college, I went to University of Delaware. Oh, nice. Is that that's not is that an HBCU? No, it is not. Okay. Delaware State is, right? Yes, Delaware, Delaware State is definitely an HBCU. Okay. See, I know a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think the pageant world is over there on the East Coast for those who aren't over there like me? And then and just in New England, period. How's the pageant scene over there? In Delaware, it is a little hard to recruit because Delaware is really small and it's, I would say, a little more political than probably other states. So a lot of people are not really into competing in the state of Delaware. I know in like the surrounding states like Pennsylvania, Virginia, Maryland, 
Um, DC obviously is really big in pageantry. They've like won Miss USA recently and have a lot of people competing there. So the surrounding states do a really good job of recruiting, but Delaware is, is a little behind. We're a little behind the times in it, but people are starting to get more involved. So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Is it very like, is it competitive? Not in Delaware. I, I, I don't think it's competitive in Delaware. But I do think Delaware looks for different, like, characteristics, attributes that a title holder should have as a state title holder than other states do. Um, I would say in the surrounding states, it is a little more competitive. So we do have some women that come from, like, Pennsylvania and um, sometimes even New York and will come to Delaware to compete. Oh, like, state hopping and whatnot? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Frauds. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had some Delawareans say like, "How how the heck did uh, someone from Pennsylvania just come and take a title when we have Delaware queens here that are qualified to compete?" But that's a whole other conversation. But we do have yeah. women that come here to compete and win the title and represent Delaware. So mm. maybe I should do a, a episode on state hopping. You should. I think so. That'd be great. That'd be interesting. And for those who are listening, I, because this is Pageants and Prosecco, I am drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon. Really good. I was trying to think of where it was from. I just saw the bottle. I think it's from California, but it's really nice and juicy. Do you have a favorite wine? And um, I know you're not sipping with us, but do you have a favorite type of liqueur or wine you like to drink and sip on? So I'm a margarita person. But as far as wine, I like pretty much any sweet, sparkling wine. So I like sweet tasting stuff, hence why I like margaritas, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, So any sparkling wine, wine really. I like champagne. In college, I drank a lot of Barefoot Moscato. So, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, cheap wine, but, you know, it worked. (laughs) We got to get you on some better stuff. I talk about Barefoot all the time. Barefoot and Yellowtail. (laughs) People need to graduate from those. Students. I know. I haven't had in a while, though, but I do like my margaritas for sure. Yeah. You could probably even get a nice sparkling and put it into a margarita like like that. Probably. I like champagne, too, but um, anything sparkling, bubbly, whatever, I like it. <laughs> well, that's perfect because Prosecco is um, bubbly. Have you ever had a Prosecco? Probably, but I just didn't know the name of it. It's, it's Italy's version of champagne. Because when you have champagne, it has come from Champagne, France. And Prosecco is actually one of my favorite drinks. And you might like it. It's really good. It's just like, it literally is just Italy's version of champagne. So it has a little bit of sweetness to it, more than a typical champagne will. And it's one of my favorite drinks to drink, honestly. Okay, I'll definitely try it out. It looks looks familiar, so I'm pretty sure I've had it, but I'll try it out and let you know. Yeah, and and I know in Italy, I think that they have wine and Prosecco, like, underneath milk and water. So it's just like a regular drink like let me just have a prosecco (laughs) oh wow interesting fun fact (laughs) yeah so what made you want to really branch out and take charge when it comes to getting all the pageant women together I think it's a really good idea trying to connect with people afterwards because I think we all have like our select one or two friends from the competition and we don't really and we'll add other people on Facebook but we don't really have a, a group or sisterhood like you created on Facebook so what made you want to kind of branch out and do something like that, like Society of Pageant Women? Yeah, so it was a variety of different things. Uh, when I competed at Nationals last year, 
the organization was actually splitting the um, leadership that was in charge and the CEO were in some kind of legal, um, it, they had some kind of legal issues and they ended up splitting. So after nationals, we lost a lot of, we lost all of our exposure pretty much as state queens and um, the groups that we had to conversate in, talk in, they completely got rid of because then they started their own organization. Um, and so we were kind of just in limbo and, I was like, I didn't, I couldn't, there was no way for me to really contact everyone. Um, we came, we went from like going to a couple hundred people in a group to like, you know, a couple, like maybe 10, 20, 30 people that were just in our category. It wasn't like Mrs. and Ms. and Little Miss and, you know, kind of the all around influence of every category of competition. And I encountered a um, Mrs. Connecticut International actually on Facebook. One of her sister queens had passed and no one wrote an obituary for her. And I was like, wow. So this shows that like we need to be a lot more connected. And after nationals not being connected and then encountering Mrs. Connecticut, like talking about how she there was anything to connect everyone together and conversate and um, talk about people's lives and just like continue relationships and even like celebrate each other after we pass on then you know I was like well I already had this mentor group started that was centered around pageantry and it evolved into tips and tricks for pageantry and when I encountered Mrs. Connecticut International she was asking like is there any type of sisterhood that already exists and if not she was going to create one and I messaged her she was just a Facebook friend at the time. I messaged her and I said, hey, I already have a group started. Um, you can hop on board and definitely invite your friends and we can kind of get this going. Um, and she was like, absolutely. So she came on board and helped with that. And that's how it got started. So it really was just a matter of like disconnecting from my sister queens and being at nationals with women of all different ages from older to younger and then not being able to conversate with them at all. And I looked to see if there were other things out there similar. There are a lot of like gossip pageant platforms out there, but there's nothing really that women can come and encourage and network with each other, really. So I was like, well, since it doesn't exist and people are kind of just looking at each other, like who's going to start it? I'll go ahead and start it. And as long as people support it, then cool. Like we can keep it going. So yeah, and I think it blew up pretty fast. I remember seeing it initially probably when I had a thousand members in it and I was like oh okay this looks kind of cool I'm not part of any organized group of pageant women just you know people who I meet around town and in Illinois where I'm at or people who I competed against mm -hmm. but to have a collective group of people I think that's pretty dope and pretty amazing thank you so what made you want to join just to be curious I know this is your show but <laughs> oh <okay. laughs> The Society of Pageant Women? Yeah, like what, what made you want to join? Well, I love anything pageant related. Like I'm obsessed with pageants, period. I've been competing for 10 years myself. So just to have a connection to women. And then with the podcast, my goal has been to reach more people, especially on season two. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you're on for my season two. I appreciate Yay. it. Yay, thank you. <laughs> but I wanted to just connect with more women so I can find title holders to interview and just kind of see how everyone else is going about this pageant world because I think a lot of times you want to enter and it's kind of a individual endeavor mm -hmm. and an individual journey 
but some people have already walked that journey and can help you out. And it's not just coaches, it's people who've actually been there, mm-hmm. done that. So that's why I wanted to join. Nice. And that and that's essentially what I wanted it to be. I you know, pageant coaching can be really expensive. And if we all kinda of had a platform to get together, one, to support positive interaction between pageant women because the media promotes us as this like catty interaction of women and that's not what it is. And then two, to just be able to network with each other and, and help each other out, give tips and, and tricks as they say on how to be successful in this industry. So yeah, I totally agree. What made you want to get your, get it LLC and get it official? So it was growing really fast and knowing the pageant industry coming from Miss America and knowing just some of the the different types of personalities out there, I knew that it was going to be successful. And I knew that women were looking for something to kind of be a part of outside of competition week and competition weekend and in an actual sisterhood. Everyone says like pageantry is a sisterhood, but when you really look at it, it's just a competition. You go compete, you meet some amazing people and you leave with a couple of friends, but it's not really a sisterhood like a sorority where you come together and solidify it and we stick by each other we encourage each other and we make sure that everyone else like understands that we're together um I wanted to solidify that because I knew someone else was going to run you know take it and run with it if I didn't so I decided to make it a business and LLC it and grow it I mean ultimately I want to reach women internationally and connect interconnect everyone together and even the organization's together because so many people think there's Miss America, there's Miss USA, and there's nothing else. And people need to be educated. There's so much more out there. And if we come together and like confirm that and also support each other and show everyone that we can, you know, we kind of all have our own thing that we stand for, but we can all coexist at the same time. Um, Made me realize that, okay, I need to solidify this so that it can grow and become as impactful as I want it to be. Because if it just stays a Facebook group, it's going to stay a Facebook group no one's going to take it seriously and then I won't be able to expand into like networking events and conferences which is ultimately what I want to be able to do for people in the pageant industry so yeah I was going to ask you that what how do you kind of see this going farther because now you have your website up and running yes congratulations on that thank you so how do you kind of see this looking in a year or in five years yeah that's a great question so in a year Um, I am working on building some business connections right now so that I can kind of catapult things and I wouldn't say exponentially grow it, but grow it significantly so that people know that it exists because right now only the people in the group really know it exists and maybe a few other people outside the group. So in a year, I want to plan my first like event where I think a couple hundred people can come together, but even if it's like a hundred or 50 of us just to start off, that would be great too. But I want to have our first like leadership event for women in pageantry and, um, and recognition for women in pageantry that are doing great things. I think, you know, a lot of time the spotlight is only on the national title holders or only on the state title holders. And you have some pretty dope local title holders that are doing some pretty amazing things and just, you know for some reason didn't get the title and I think they deserve a spotlight too so this organization in a year and five years I see having like multiple events I would do some fun events together like um you know how you have like the American Ninja Warrior where it's like really cool and it's fun and it's interactions and stuff Mm -hmm. like that like 
I think if we have an event where we come together and just have fun and just do some fun activities and like break the ice of competition, um, I think it'll also influence a lot of other women outside of pageantry to get involved too. So I have some really cool ideas, but first you have to raise funds to do that. So that's kind of why LLC did, because I was like, okay, if I want to impact a lot of people and bring a lot of people together, you have to have money to do that. So that's why it got my LLC and turned into a business so I can get things rolling. I love it. Thank you. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Are you looking to have an event in a major city? Like, are are we going to Delaware? Are we going to Atlanta? Or are we going to Chicago? You know, it depends on how much money I raise, especially in the next. So my goal in the next six months um, is to raise us like a certain enough money to where I can kind of be able to decide if I want to stay on the East Coast or go to the West Coast or go to the South. Um, But I need funds first to do that right I mean any business you can't really make too many moves until you make funds so production after six months uh will determine like where I can go but I would love it so I would have to ask people like okay where's everyone located first (laughs) right and then kind of see where most people are located then I also have to find out who's interested like who actually will put their money into this um and then once I find that out then I can better what it is but it would probably be most cost effective to stay locally for the first one and then for the second one depending on how successful it is and how quickly the organization grows um i would love to do a west coast one that would be fun Um, chicago would be fun too but again it just depends on the fun so yeah true Mm -hmm. um and then speaking of money you put up a post about listing the cost of how much it cost to compete Mm -hmm. and to be in a pageant yes and you put pageantry is not a free hobby and the information to succeed in this industry is not easily accessible nor is always affordable which is so true Mm -hmm. yeah and so you said the average in-person coaching coaching is 50 dollars. entry fees about 400 trainers 80 to 120 nutrition 260 to 300 and this is all so true yes so when it comes to being a part of the Society for Pageant Women, what benefit do you see providing women uh, once they become paid members? So paid members, I'm so happy you asked because um, I think a lot of people think the website is like just the Facebook group and it's not. We actually are getting um, documents together to help women plan out their pageant competition. Um, For each competition, we have documents like for example, for interview, a template on how to go about answering interview questions, like, you know, what you need to say, what are your main points that you need to make sure you say in your interview, how to shift your conversation so that the judges don't control it, but you control it. We're getting resources together to make this like a, a platform where pageant women and women who are thinking about competing in pageants can go and say, okay, I know Society of Pageant Women is has stuff that's that's affordable and that's going to help me with exactly what I need instead of going to a coach and kind of like having them tell you what you need you can go to our website get your templates get your courses you know that you know that you need and work on your areas that you need to improve for competition and then be better off to competing and also spend less money and save money doing so so and and you'll be able to do it on your free time so going to offer we also are also like Miss United States is coming on board to 
through mental health and she also is experienced in coaches and interviews. So she said, you know, that she's also going to help with um, like video virtual coaching as well. And I also do virtual coaching. I have another young lady that's doing virtual coaching and um, Miss Texas United States that just won is actually um, donating her some, I think five to 10 fitness videos um, for members that come on board. And, um, and then she's also going to offer discounted uh, virtual coaching. She does virtual coaching as well to women that are part of our members officially. So there oh. are, yes, there are a lot of benefits. And it's funny because I to- like, I haven't had time to really like, sit down and record something and say like, Hey, this is why this is amazing. And you should join now because right now we're in the process of making it what it's, what we see it being. And we have some things there. So that's why it's the price that it is now. But, you know, later on, there's no guarantee that it's going to be the same price. And there's going to be so much more that it offers. So get on the bandwagon now. <laughs> I would yeah. say so get in now while you can. Yes. Before absolutely. it becomes huge and not everyone wants to join it. And it's a thousand dollars. Well, you know, I so here's the thing. I am I am all about affordable, like people affording things. And I in pageantry, I always kind of like, I wouldn't say hate it, but I strongly disliked <laughs> how everything was just so expensive, like wardrobe, yes. coaching, like yes. everything. And it's like, how, like, it's, it feels like it's almost impossible to be prepared to win and without like going in debt. And I hate it feeling like that. So I definitely don't want to put people in debt, but you know, it's definitely going to be a valuable resource and it's going to be you know, worth what it will be, but it it will be affordable. I don't want it to be like a college course, you know, (laughs) you feel like you've given your whole life to, you know, learning this stuff and then you have to pay for it for the rest of your life. Definitely don't want it to be that. Yeah. I do think there's definitely a niche out there and there's definitely a need out there for what you're providing. Yeah. Thank you for confirming that. Yeah. I definitely applaud you for stepping out and doing something like this because like you said we all probably were just sitting waiting but it takes one person to actually make that action and make that jump and to do it you know yes exactly yeah so I love it I love the idea thank you for people who aren't a part of the society yet how would they even find out about it and how would they go about joining great question so we have a Facebook page so if they have And they have a Facebook page. They can look up Society of Pageant Women LLC and it'll come up. And on the Facebook page, it has a sign up button and they can click the sign up button. It'll go straight to the page. And if they don't have a Facebook, um, we also have an Instagram. We, it's at Society OPW and basically the OPW is of Pageant Women. Mm-hmm. And they can go in there and the website's also on Instagram. And if all those fails and you don't have an Instagram or Facebook, you can Google it. <laughs> we have a website. Should come up on Google. Oh, you have Instagram? Yes, we have Instagram. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. How would you see um how would you see this how would you see the Society of Packing Women looking in like 30 years in the year 2039 how do you kind of ultimately see it 
Society of Pageant Women is going to be as big, if not bigger, than I would say Miss America. And any, I wouldn't say, I would, in 30 years, probably bigger than Miss USA because it is a combination of every single pageant platform out there, every single pageant woman that formerly completed in pageantry and people who are interested in competing. And I'm also in the process of creating a corner for directors. So essentially we're gonna be liaisons for every single person involved or wanting to be associated with pageantry. And it's gonna be it's gonna be really big and I'm really excited because it's definitely moving in that direction. And even for the people that, you know, kind of have an issue with the current payment, because we're starting off early, we are in the process of making a payment that is um, gonna be really cheap and affordable since we're just getting started. So um, Right now, we have a plan, a yearly plan, which is $99 for the year, which to me, I, I have always paid like way more than that for pageantry. So it was it's very affordable for me. <laughs> and um, we have a monthly plan currently for $19.99. And I'm going to make a weekly plan that's going to be obviously a lot cheaper. Um, so we're, it's very affordable. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with you. What do you say to all the naysayers saying like, oh, I don't, well, I don't know what the naysayers are saying, but <laughs> what, what people are like, oh, you know, pageants, I only do this for a year if I don't even win my national title or whatever level is next, then they're not even in pageants anymore. And some people kind of see it as a temporary hobby, you know, because you're only a queen for a year, you're only a title holder for a year, and then some people kind of grow out of it. So what would you say to your naysayer saying, like, why would I even join? I'm just going to do this one time and it's a one and done deal. Right. So that is the reason why Society of Page Women was created, because like myself, I don't plan on competing for the rest of my life. Right. But I also want to stay connected to the women that I have competed with and to women that are still competing. I would like to meet them and see who they are outside of competition. So. Society of Pageant Women was created for that reason, for people who, if they decide to compete once and they're like, eh, I don't know about this, but I love the women that I competed with and I want to continue to network, um, they can join Society of Pageant Women. Okay. So it's not, it's not just a one and done deal with joining, even though no. your time might be one and done in mm -hmm. the world, but those connections are kind of always forever. Exactly. It's like a sorority in a sense. So Society of Pageant Women is, was created to be like a sorority because like I, like I previously stated, people always say it's a sisterhood, but you know, compared to sororities and societies out there, our sisterhood is really conditional and temporary you know, during your year as a title holder. But afterwards, there's no guarantee that you're still connected unless you make a, a conscious effort and continually you know, spend money and invest into like the pageant competitions. Oh, that's so smart. Because mm -hmm. we are ultimately like a sorority yes. between all of us. Exactly. Yeah, I like it. We all have Thank like you. shared, the, we all have, the crown is what we have in common, you know? Yes. I'm competing in a pageant now. And the main thing that I've been finding out about climate change is that we all have a planet in common. So we all need to take care of the planet. Cause that's one thing we have in common. Mm -hmm. And as pageant women, all we have in common is our ambition for the crown. Yes. And, yeah. to, and to serve our communities, too. Like, I know for me, 
Um, the crown is obviously a great addition in it, you know, in addition to, <laughs> you know, what you're currently doing, but you know, the service and helping people. And even like when you have a crash, you have sound and your crash and set in, sorry, crown <laughs> and sash on, <laughs> um, seeing the little girls and how they're excited to see you as a, you know, they're like, Oh my gosh, it's a princess. Like, and then you tell them, you know, little tidbits to help them as a little girl and to be comfortable with who they are. All, all those things are also amazing as well. What do you think pageants have taught you over the years from competing? I'm a businesswoman. So <laughs> pageantry has taught me to really stay focused on what I want to accomplish with what, what I'm doing and to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing too as well. When I first started competing, I just competed for money basically because I needed money for college. And then when I started competing, I realized the impact of this platform could help me network and it could help me um, advocate for my platform, which is STEM and um, advocate for the talents that I have too as well and use the talents that I have. And pageantry has ultimately, you know, to have the drive and the persistence to continue to compete, even if you don't get that crown and to know why you're doing it is really important and it's a skill that you can transfer over into other areas of your life as well and also into your career and whatever ambition that you have so that's something that taught me a lot and honestly is the reason why i'm so driven and persistent and determined to have a successful organization um that's going to ultimately build have a legacy bigger you know as big if not bigger than the current largest pageant organizations out there yeah i definitely agree I would definitely agree. And I love that. I love, I love that. So through your work in pageants, um, you also, as people don't know, you're a business owner too. Yes. Can you talk about what business you have? Yes. Yeah, so um, Celeb Me, it's Celeb Me with an I, it ends with I, um, dot com. It's uh, currently an accessories platform. I'm actually expanding into having clothing wear on there. But essentially, I created it to, and it also was inspired by my passion for pageants as well. Um, encountering really expensive accessories and sometimes having them break and knowing they weren't really worth the price that you paid for them. I was like, you know, let me see if there are other resources out there with, you know, more affordable, you know, options, or let me figure out where they're getting this stuff from. And maybe I can provide this to women at a more affordable price. And so I ultimately came up with celebme.com and I actually had celebme before I had society and the profits that I've gotten from celebme I've used to help fund and start society of pageant women. So, oh yeah. That's smart. Yeah. So it's helped me kind of like, I guess, get everything going for society. And I continue to support a percentage of celebme um, if someone buys something and I use it to help me kind of continue to push things along for society as well. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, Would you see yourself you. sponsoring and using your celeb me to sponsor girls? Yes. Yeah, so that's ultimately what I wanted to do. I actually currently have an affiliate program and I'm debating if I should keep it or not because I actually cost it cost me to have the program. But mm -hmm. basically they can sign up and they can make money they have make commission off of the products that they're promoting essentially so some i actually have one queen one of my sister queens that just 
someone purchase something um, off of her link and it's a link that you share. So you don't have to sell anything in person. You just share links and um, through the links, you get paid automatically through PayPal. So everything is automated and set up and all you have to do is post it on your social media pages and then you get paid for it if someone buys something. And one of my sister queens actually just got paid for a referral that she sent to my website. So that's currently something that I have set up, but I actually... I've been getting emails about sponsoring girls, but, you know, looking to raise a little bit more money first since I've used a lot of my funds to help with society. And then after that, I'll definitely sponsor some women or, or some pageants even as well. You're definitely like a businesswoman having the, an LLC now and your own business. And that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and being a, a pageant holder, a title holder. Yeah. Thank you. What do you currently do? What is your current means of what's your w-2 job that's what I like to say right so I actually was working for myself last year for about half the year oh yeah and then I was like you know there's so much more I want to do I need more fun so I went back to work and I actually work in Philadelphia so I live in Delaware but I work in Philadelphia now and I work for health in healthcare actually in healthcare industry which has taught me a lot about health and why it's so important to take care of your body (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yes, I currently work for a healthcare company in Philadelphia and I'm a business systems analyst there. So basically I'm a liaison between the tech department and the business teams. And I just make sure, um, I do some coding. So I do SQL and Mm -hmm. I, I built all my own websites for my own companies too. I got my degree in information systems. So that helped a lot, (laughs) but in Philadelphia, I'm a business systems analyst. That's pretty dope. And that actually brings me to my next question. As I mentioned in the bio earlier, you are part of STEM and you work with young women. And you was also a volunteer and a programmer with J.P. Morgan Chase mm-hmm. and for their Codes for a Good 24-Hour Hackathon. Yes. And you also worked with Girls Who Code and you mentored young women before. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's so important for women to get into the STEM field? Because I feel like a lot of people look at the STEM field as a male-dominated job, probably nerdy guys, like mm-hmm. Star Wars guys. <laughs> and when it comes to beauty queens and pageants and of course we have the beauty but we also have the brains which a lot of people don't really see because the crown is covering it obviously Mm -hmm. but why was it so important for you to get into this field and not just get into it but also teach girls how to about STEM and about coding yes so I actually it's funny I went to college for chemical engineering I was great at chemistry and my teacher said, go for it. He wanted me to go to MIT, but I didn't think I was good enough to go to MIT. So I didn't apply. I did apply to Yale, but I didn't have the confidence to really excel in my interview. Hence why pageantry helped me to become the businesswoman that I am. And when I went to college, I was like, I can't take all these calculus classes. Let me find something else that I can be creative in while also, you know, use some critical thinking and analyze stuff. So I got into, I took this coding, coding course and it was actually an animation coding course so we made these little animals move around I thought that was so cool but it was such a headache 
And <laughs> but once I got my final product done and I got to do I made my program do what it was supposed to do, I felt so accomplished and I was like, wow, I love this feeling and I'm gonna continue into it. So I got my degree in management information systems and I realized that once I finished that I was one of the few women that graduated with an information systems degree and especially a minority woman in information systems. And I wondered like, why are women not doing this and going to JP Morgan? um, And I was on a team with all guys and it wasn't an issue until I got a manager that didn't talk to me because I was the only female on the team. And he also did it to another woman that was on my team before she left. Wow. And um, yeah, so it was, it was very hard to work in that atmosphere. And there was more so, I was more so in like the finance industry, but still to be on a male dominant team and in corporate America, it made me realize that, wow, this is, this is something that is in the tech field too, as well. And that's why women don't want to go into tech. And I think women too, they think that they can't be as effective and they can't teach. A lot of women say, I want to be a teacher, which is amazing. We definitely need teachers, but we also need women to use their creative mindset to bring new ideas and new perspectives into technology. You know, each person from different backgrounds have different perspectives that can contribute and make society better all around and have improvements like hidden figures. I don't know if you know, hidden figures, those are women who literally were like computers, basically Yes, you know, amazing mathematicians that ultimately put our, you know, the Apollo 11 into space. Um, so women right. have perspectives that we can bring to technology, especially like the fastest growing industry in the world. And we need, we deserve those jobs too. They pay well, why not? So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell women and little girls, they can do this and we deserve to get thick paychecks too, you know? <laughs> Yeah, we do. Yes. So that and they pay really nice. Like, yes, can you just throw out some numbers for people just because you know, money is the motivator sometimes. Yeah, just throw out some numbers of what top people in the STEM fields are making. So, the average coder, and this is someone that deals with like back end coding. Um, so like UVIC server coding, um, you probably don't know what that that is, but um, I got nothing. (laughs) Yes, so everything that you don't see behind what you see. Um, the average person gets paid about, I think it was $130,000 a year. Average? That's an average. So obviously there are some people that come out of college and they might make 80, um, 70, 60 might be for some that, um, are not top in the field, but that's still a decent amount, 60, 65. But the average person, um, especially in California, I had a friend that graduated, um, from university of Delaware and went to Cali and he graduated college making 130. I believe it was my $150,000. What? Yep. He was, he made that coming out of college. He's living like a penthouse in California and he's just like living life there. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so it's definitely money in the STEM field. Yes. Keep going. Yes. It's money in the STEM fields for sure. And you get to be around these brilliant mind, like these brilliant minds, like, a lot of people, like you said, write them off because they think they're nerdy, they're Star Wars, they can't hold conversations. And some of them can barely hold conversations. But if you can get them to talk, you learn so much from them. And they're so intriguing. They're such interesting people. So um, I always tell people to get around people that challenge you, that make you think outside of the box. It's not good to stay around people that think and act like you. 
and you'd be surprised what you can get from someone else. True, especially when the money isn't acting funny. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest like deterrence from women entering the STEM field, it's, or what are they most afraid of? It's the culture, for sure. Um, there was actually this article that I read when I was in college as to why women don't stay in STEM fields. So the issue is not really that women don't go into STEM fields. Um, it's that a lot of them don't stay. So a lot. So there are women that get jobs. I believe the statistic when I graduated was 25% of women that graduate get jobs in the technology, but only 5% of them actually end up staying after five to 10, really, I think it was five years, a minimum of five years. And that is because in technology companies, they're so used to having to having it as a male-dominated field that they don't know really how to interact with women. And a lot of the stories that I've heard are like, you know, sexual uh, assault or harassment or, you know, inappropriate things being said. And like, typically one of the main things is a lot of women during their evaluations are being evaluated on how the manager feels you know, if they're not smiling enough instead of their work ethic and the work they're getting done. So based off their appearance, right. Based off, based off their appearance. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, the culture needs to change. If the culture changes, women will be more enticed to go and stay into technology fields. Okay. So what are some good programs for someone who's interested? So starting with people who might be younger, like if they're in high school listening, what are some ways to get into the coding field? So the nonprofit organization that I work with and that a percentage from society members actually goes towards. So when they purchase a membership, uh, 5% of it goes towards Girls Who Code, which is the nonprofit that I've been volunteering for with for the past like three years. Um, they actually teach girls in third grade through 12th grade coding, basic coding. So you learn Python. Um, which is a lot of business companies um, have Python. They have as as a requirement for a lot of their coders and even some of their business systems analysts to know Python. And they'll teach you some Java, some CSS, HTML, which CSS and HTML are website um, coding languages that you can use. But you learn basic coding and those, um, it's a nonprofit organization. You have clubs in your area. Typically, if you don't have a club, you can start one and you can learn coding for free as a young woman. And if you don't want to go to Girls Who Code, which I definitely recommend, I definitely think it's great that women should be around other women and girls be around other girls. But if you don't, there is a website that a lot of coders use. Um, it's called codeacademy.com. And you can also mm-hmm. get a lot of free courses and free training online from on there as well. And you can learn it on your free time so you don't have to consistently drill it into your head you can kind of pick it up when you want to and then leave it when you don't want to do it anymore okay and then for those who might be in college or getting ready to go to college what should they kind of do at that age definitely take advantage of your teachers and your tutors um the same resources are available so if you are not encoding and you want to get involved and kind of see what it's about you can always volunteer for a girls who code club in your area. And you can, you don't have to be a coder to be a facilitator or to be a volunteer. Um, that'll give you some insight and help you learn like while you're doing. 
um, while you're helping other people try to learn. And then you can also use Code Academy. Um, another website is w3schools.com. That's a mm-hmm. great website. Even seasoned like veteran coders will still go there and look up some things that uh, are available. And there are a lot of coding forums out there. So a lot of people that do coding, and again, experts too, they go to these coding forums and you can always Google if you're trying to learn code and you come up with an error, Google the error and what it says and what program you're using. And coding forums will come up where people post their code and what the issue is and people will answer their questions and help them figure out how to better their code and how to fix their error. So those are resources that are out there as well. Cool, cool, cool. And when it comes to, oh, wait, I do want to tell people just as my little piece of tangency, tangency or going on a tangent. Mm-hmm. So when I went to high school, you know, you have guidance counselors, they try to help you. You have advisors try to help you in college, direct your path so that way you graduate on time and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But always try to take electives, like really know your four year, like I don't know how schools do it, but know your qualifications to graduate mm-hmm. like by freshman year or early. Know exactly how many classes you need in whatever category, how many credit hours you need in whatever category, and see if you could take a class that might be different or like pique your interest. So if you have 12 hours of electives you got to do, don't just take electives based off of your major or something basic. Choose something different since you got to take it anyway. And one thing that I did, because I always made sure I kept tedious notes of exactly how many hours I needed to graduate, can I graduate in four years? Blah, blah, blah. Making sure, because they don't always have your back. And they have a lot of probably students that they see, so they aren't able to give you that individualized attention. So make sure you know your schedule ahead of time and that you follow it to a team. But also try to look for classes that you can take outside of the norm. Like, I remember I had to take a senior seminar, and I took something about, I forgot, it was about space. Like, it it was an astronomy class, and my major was journalism just to do it, you know? And mm-hmm. sometimes you could take classes that might be like GPA boosting classes. I took another one that was called Family Life Sex Education. Mm-hmm. And it was about literally sex education and families and how we are so like, cause it's so taboo and whatnot. But this was a family consumer science class filled with mainly females in the FCS field. But I was in journalism. I was like, why not take, a, why not take this class? You know, mm-hmm. I took another sex education class. There's things that you don't necessarily no, but if you just step out for a second, and I say that because a STEM class might be something I should have considered, because um, if you have a major like in the arts or, if, or a liberal arts degree, try something technical or switch it up a little bit. If you have the time, if you need bonus points, you know, sometimes these classes are typically not necessarily easier, but it'll open your mind more and it'll engage your, your other side of your brain that you don't necessarily use. Mm-hmm. So for those at that age in college and in high school, make sure you know your schedule to a T and try to take those extra electives and don't just stay, you know, whatever your degree is. I agree. Yeah. Okay. And so then when you are older and in the working field and you kind of want to switch to go to the STEM field, what would you suggest? Or how would you suggest even learning about coding? Let's just, let's just keep it at coding. If you are interested in switching to coding or getting involved in this, how would you suggest that they go about it? So Google is your best friend (laughs) in anything. Yes. And um, if you, like, let's say, you know, nothing about coding, you don't know 
what Java is, what Python is, what CSS, HTML, Google it, and tons of resources that are, are amazing resources will be available to you. Um, W3Schools, Code Academy, um, and even volunteering for a coding club at your school it, are all things, or even coding clubs outside of school. They have some, um, I forget what they call them, but coding clubs that are in like your neighborhood or your area or your city, they have them available. Um, I would go to them and just like sit and observe and listen to the conversation and just see if, you know, it'll probably sound like an alien language or a foreign language, but mm -hmm. just to get exposure on like what words, what keywords are being used in those industries so that when you go home and um, you have questions or you want to look into some things and learn whatever they're talking about, that you know exactly what you need to be looking into. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's smart. With, is there any like online courses um, out there, whether it's free or not, or any kind of groups to join? So the websites that I actually listed are all free. So Code Academy, um, W3Schools, they're all free platforms. All you have oh, to cool. do is sign up. You can sign up through your Facebook um, login, actually. So you go to the website, they have an option to sign up through Facebook, and you have an account, and then you can, like, whatever coding courses you take, it saves it on your platform. You can see it also, I think it also gives you certificates too for when you complete a course. So, and then you can add it to your LinkedIn profile if you have a LinkedIn profile. So I would, oh. yeah, I would sign up to those platforms. They're, they're free. Um, W3Schools, you don't have to sign in to view like the tidbits on there. And W3Schools is more so for like definition. So let's say someone says, hey, learn Java. Well, what words do I use when I'm using coding Java? W3Schools, if you type in Java, it has like a whole like dictionary basically online for Java terms and what they mean. And you can do um, little tutorials for like each thing. And it's just really easy, a really simple way to learn it. So those are both free platforms that you can use. Okay. And so then I have to ask like, like I guess it would be a dumb question. But just as a thing as dumb questions. I was yeah. a teacher at one point. So yeah. <laughs> I had to say that. But sometimes she's just like, really? <laughs> okay, that was that was close. Yeah, but when it comes to coding, can you just explain what, like, how coding is used in the everyday world for people who don't, who aren't behind the screens? How how is coding impacting us every day from like the smallest things we might even think about? Right. So anything that you look at that is lighting up that has information on it has some type of coding involved in it. So applications that you use on your laptop, like Word, um, was it Microsoft Word, Microsoft PowerPoint, all of those things are made up of code. Like everything is made up of code. And one fun fact that I tell little kids is that whatever screen you're looking at in the back end of what you're seeing are actually all zeros and ones determining what makes up your view. So okay. that's that's called binary coding. So binary coding is like the the basic layer like the underneath layer of what you're looking at and then on top of binary coding you have um application coding which now they have um i forget what it's actually called it's slipping my mind right now but there's coding basically on, on code layer on top of layer telling exactly what the user is seeing in front of you so for instance when i coded a website when i had to make a, um, a website from scratch it entailed, basically, I had this application on my laptop um, where I made different files 
one file basically said like what variables my website was collecting if the user were to visit the website um, what the website needed to say back to the user once their information was submitted and then when the user is on on the website what colors do they see um, what do you code the colors what what uh, number code you have to put into that screen or different number codes and then you do a combination and then you layer these different pages of code on top of each other and ultimately makes up what you see on an application or what you see on a website. So every digital thing that you're using and looking at is made up of coding. And that's why it's so important in such a fast growing field because ultimately they're trying to convert everything that we use like and interact with onto the screens that we look at. Yeah, pretty much everything. Yes. So apps have codes to it. Yes. Ebooks. Do mm-hmm. Te- text messaging? Yep. Codings through text messaging. Everything on, on every anything on your phone, on your laptop, um, your television, everything is made up of code. Oh my goodness. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so like even designing apps is all using code, right? Yes, all using code. And it's funny because during the 24-hour hackathon um, that I did with JP Morgan about two years ago, we actually had to develop an application or website that a nonprofit in our area could use to help better their process. And so my team, I was in a team, um, I was the only, only database coder. So database coding basically is where all of the information goes that you're putting into your applications and putting into your websites. The database is, it holds all, it's a storage platform basically that holds all that information. So that's what I, that's kind of my specialty areas, like the database part. And most of my teammates were like the application developers. So they, once I put the database together, they were able to then like put code on top of my database and um, an application, which essentially like the user would see, which would be you when you visit the application and, and make sure that you're experience as a user was good and user-friendly as they say so very easy for you to use and one of the hardest parts of making the plot of making the application was actually implementing the Facebook button (laughs) on our application it was so complex there was so much code that went into it and it's also it's so funny because users they you know it's easy for you guys to kind of just click the Facebook button and like oh okay it works you know as long as it works nobody cares right Mm-hmm. But as a coder, like to realize how much code actually goes into making that button work to connect Facebook to the application that you use, it's like it's really complex and it's like this really long page of coding that you have to like you know debug as they say. So make sure like everything is is uh, aligning where it's supposed to align and calling whatever objects it's supposed to call so that it works. So <laughs> just a little so that- story. <laughs> So that's why when Facebook goes down, it takes forever because we're trying to figure out how to literally get the right letters and numbers together to make it exactly make it work again. Yes. And and they do have systems and things to kind of so a lot of things are becoming automated. And as you know, I don't I don't know if you know what that really entails, but automation basically is when the computer runs everything instead of a human going through every single line of code and figuring out where the issue is. So they have computers that like go through everything, but it's, there's still like a human that typically like looks over it to confirm that everything is good or multiple humans. But Facebook is such a large platform that they have like a, like a, a few departments managing that information. So it has to go through every single department. They have to go through all the code 
and make sure like the computer did what it was supposed to do so they can get back up and running and you know have the issue fixed oh okay i'm learning all types of stuff today yeah (laughs) Yeah. so how long did it take you to put together your society of pageant women website so it took me since i work full-time um it took me about two two weeks and then um I was in the process of getting my team together to help manage everything and still kind of am like solidifying some things and that kind of slowed things down a little bit too, but actually making the platform, it wasn't difficult, but making the web, the membership portal was um, different for me. I haven't done a, web, a membership portal before. I've done like kind of like an online store and then I've done um, mostly online stores and like my own website and yeah, I've done all that stuff like, you know, kind of I, I would consider it basic but the membership was a little complex so it took me a little more that was most of my time doing the membership part but once it was figured out it was good but honestly I went about it the most difficult way at first and then I called my server platform the my server hosting platform they're like you know you could have did this the other way right and I was like are you kidding me like <laughs> you guys have this set up already and yeah. I'm sitting here trying to like piece everything together like from scratch so that took up most of time. I would have had it done in like a week if like I didn't do it that, the first way, the first approach. But you live, you learn, right? Yeah. True, true, true. Okay. So I like to always ask people who come on the show for a nice book recommendation. So do you, are you a reader and do you have a book recommendation that you can offer to our listeners? Yeah, so I typically listen to audiobooks, um, but recently I just bought three amazing books. Um, one of the writers is actually T.D. Jakes. I don't know if you know him, but he's a like, really mm-hmm. well-known pastor. And Of course I know T.D. Jakes. Yes, of course. I listen to his motivational speeches, and I guess his sermons are technically motivational speeches now, but I listen to either a sermon or a motivational speech pretty much every day or every other day. Yes, he is a phenomenal. Love him. Um, Especially so, in the morning. Yes, yes. Um, but I just bought his book. One, I bought two of his books. So one was is called Soar, and that's the one that I'm like finishing up right now. And it's about building your vision from the ground up. Did, have you read that book? Yes, I actually I got it from the library the day I saw him on Breakfast Club mentioning it. That and when he talked to Pastor Stephen Furtick, yes, I yes, that's what made me go get books, like yes, like physical books. So typically, I listen to audiobooks, and I was like, yeah, I have to get this book and physically read it and like have it in my hands so I can go back and look, because he it was it's basically like a a template for making sure you have like a the fundamentals for starting your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I bought the book Crushing that he has, which talks about like how you get through the really hard times. I hadn't read it yet. Then I bought Becoming by Michelle Obama. So I, after I read this book, Soar, I have the other two books waiting for me and I'm excited. But I love this book, Soar by T.D. Jakes. And I like it because he's like very raw and real. And he talks about like the good and bad of business, like, you know, starting a business. And he really like helps you. Like I've listened to a lot of, podcasts and a lot of um, motivational speeches and they're really good at like getting you up and like the hype of things like you know kind of getting you on this high and like ready to go forth and conquer but they don't tell you like the nitty-gritty of things and tell you like the obstacles that you can run into and then they don't tell you how to get out of it 
So they get you all hype and ready to get started. And then you get into it and you're like, all right, I'm ready. And then you encounter issues. And you're like, okay, how do I deal with this? And then you have nothing. But TD Jakes like tells you exactly how to get out of there and tells you how to avoid it really, which I really like it. So it's like a book of wisdom and I love it. <laughs> yeah, those are great examples because I just found out about crushing. I haven't got it yet because I buy so many books that I need to get a book budget <laughs> at this point. But sometimes you go, I was just talking to, if you guys listened to my other episode with Coach um, Committed to the Crown, Jackie, she was talking about how she loves getting a physical book, just having it. And I'm the same way. I like to write in my books. I need a good pencil. I don't even use a pencil usually, but I just need a pencil. Mm-hmm. But I haven't went to get crushing yet, but I read Soar and I loved it. So I'm excited for crushing. That was a good recommendation. Yeah. Um, I like too that he uses it, the analogy of airplanes, which kind of like gives, I guess, a tidbit of it away. But I liked how he used this like visual, like we all know airplanes, right? You see them go up in the sky and like, you've maybe gotten on one before imagine yourself getting in one and he like the entire book is like based on analogies of like airplanes so I thought that was so cool and it was like a great visualization of you know in comparison to starting your own business it was like you know very parallel to each other even though like they seem so different but he really like describes it really well yeah I totally agree and I think Becoming is also a good one. I started it. I haven't finished that one yet. Yeah, that one's the thickest one. So I'm saving it for last. <laughs> okay. And um, kind of just making my way up to it. I also think it's kind of like the fulfillment of both of them because Soar is like the starting, Crushing is like the middle, and to me, Becoming is like the last part of it. So um, I'm excited to read it. I, I heard it was super good, and I'm so excited that she was one of the best on the bestseller list or one of the bestsellers of the book or one of the best memoirs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me so, too. So, can I just for that? When it comes to women who are role models to you in a pageant world, who are some of your or some of your favorite title holders of the past? Of the past. So, I love Deshauna. Um, I think Deshauna Barber. She was Miss USA 20 uh, with it's 2019 so 2016 yes yes and then um right after her she was also in this dc um oh what's her name Cara. yes cara cara mccullough loved her um and i loved cara especially because she was thin like she was a scientist like she was miss usa she was gorgeous she was personable she had her own um she actually started her own nonprofit and then she started her own business, like hair product business, like towards the end of her reign. And she was just amazing. Like it really was like, wow, I'm STEM is amazing. She's amazing. She's gorgeous. Like I'm doing the right thing, <laughs> you know, confirmation mm-hmm. for everything. And then Deshauna, I just love how Deshauna is so candid. Um, she's like very candid about her experiences and, um, just everything like not just in pageantry outside of pageantry as well she's also a a part of an african-american sorority so that's something that's really different for miss usa as well like i never saw that at least um in the past and she's really open about it and i like that they're both african-american i'm african-american so yeah those are my two favorites but i also loved olivia copel like she was gorgeous she seemed really down to earth and she was miss usa um early 2000s 
but I yes. love her. Yeah, love her. And Miss Americas, I liked um, Nina Dovari. She was amazing. She was also a STEM person, so obviously I'm biased because I'm STEM. But <laughs> she was a scientist as well, I believe. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yes, Nina. Um, I mean, Olivia was 2012. Miss USA 2012. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's kind of good. I like that. Um, I'm the same, too. I... I love Deshauna. Listen to her podcast, and I love Cara. I met her. I met her mother. Her mother is really, really nice. Oh, cool. Her mother's really nice. I sat next to her mother during Miss USA last year when she was giving up her crown. Oh, she was I really nice. Lady. Yeah. Yes, and she said that we're family. So, just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> That's true. That nice. was a fact. Nice. Well, she was really. She was a really nice lady. And me and her was just like gossiping and just kicking through the entire pageant watching. We watched the teens and watched the miss and we're like, oh yeah, girl, you know, she, oh my God, <laughs> I like this one. And yeah. we was cheering out Illinois because Illinois at the time was Sydney Bennett and she was really good. She was an African-American. She was the first African-American Miss Teen Illinois USA. Mm-hmm. So we was cheering her on and she got their second runner up, I believe. So mm-hmm. we were super hyped. Yeah. That's nice exciting. Lady. Nice people. And you have extended family now. Yes, I do. <laughs> she probably she probably forgot, but <laughs> anyway. So I definitely appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having. Me. I had a lot of, having me. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. I learned so much about you and about society for pageant women. I think you are on the right track, and I think you are doing something great for the community and for us women to kind of get close together and get to know each other past the ones that we compete with and see that we are are connected through the mission of doing good work for our community and letting our platform speak for our voice and trying to make a change in this world and being connected by the crowd. So I appreciate you bringing Society of Pageant Women into fruition and bringing that idea on paper that God probably placed in your heart yes. months ago. So Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's been something that I've been wanting to do for a while but was kind of hesitant and then kind of like I was I wouldn't say forced but like you said God kind of played he he put it as like a pressing thing on me like you need to do this you need to start this and get this going so it's up and going and I'm honored to be the one that started it you know that God is using me to um, bring women together essentially you know I think like I said there's so much divisiveness in this world and it's just nice to be able to have a platform to come together and celebrate each other. Yeah, and how can people connect with you and connect with the Society of Pageant Women? Yeah, so we have the Instagram for Society of Pageant Women. It's Society, S-O-C-I-E-T-Y-O-P-W, and follow us on Instagram. And then the Facebook is facebook.com slash society O-P-W. And my Facebook, I'm not really on my personal pages as much, but if you want to follow me on Instagram when I do get back on it, it's at underscore I A M Q U E E N C. So underscore I am Queen C. Nice. And then when they want to find your business? Yeah. So celeb me. Thank you. Celeb me. Um, dot com. It's www.celebmi.com. And that is the accessories website that is also going to um, move into a platform with glamorous clothing and women empowerment clothing so um 
visit that as well. Feel free to support. You know, I wanted to also say, I think for the Society of Pageant Women on the website, you should also make a way for us to exchange and buy dresses. So there is a platform that kind of already does that. And I don't really want to yeah. like, she's actually a part of the group and I forget what her name is. So I have to look into that. But now the you know website's up and running and I'm getting everything together. That's a great suggestion. I'll ask her if she wants to come on board and like partner with us and yeah. see if we can have that on one platform. Because I think that was a great idea that she started as well. And um, I, don't, I just don't want to step on any toes. You know, I don't, I wouldn't want anyone to steal my, my idea and, you know, try to put on there. So I think, you know, seeing if we can work together would be a great idea. So that's a people great just, suggestion. People just need a way to do it safely and legitly. Because if I order something, I'm not trying to have it look like something else, you know? Yeah, you're right. And so. I think too, like Facebook, like it's secure, but I think the, that current group has about like 14,000 women in it. And there's yeah. no way to guarantee that none of them are scammers, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always better to do things through a website. You have the um, credit card security um, things. It's not being exchanged, like, offline. It's on the platform. So if something goes wrong, you can track it and go back. And that's why, too, I created a website because there are people kind of, like, invading other people's privacy and, like, screenshotting stuff. And it's a private closed group for a reason. And there's no way for me to, like, track who's doing what and make sure that it's secure and private. So the, the only way I can do that is through a website platform. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I actually will be, uh, you know, you'll be the first to know, but I'm creating a, a post about that so people understand. Because a lot of people are like, why are you getting rid of the Facebook group? And I'm like, you guys don't understand. <laughs> you know, you guys don't understand. It's a, there's a reason why I do everything. I would love to keep things open, you know, but sometimes some people, you know, you have, as they say, a few bad apples make it bad for everyone else. And um, that's kind of what made may definitely like push me quicker to get everything up and running. So to protect my women, I'm all about privacy and I don't want anyone to feel at risk or, you know, be jeopardized, have their title jeopardized because of someone else. So. So you can protect that through a website? Yes, you can. Oh, like screenshots and stuff like that too? So I have people um, currently signing a terms of service agreement and then a non-disclosure. And then I also, since it's like a society, I'm going to have like an oath that people take to basically Uh like have, you know, by their word, they're going to commit that they're not going to do X, Y, and Z and kind of stick with that. But I am in the process of, um, they're they're paid uh, software, so you have to pay for. So that's kind of why I'm like making sure that women understand that like, Hey guys, we have to like financially put our money here so that I can make sure that you guys are safe and secure. And um, they have those softwares out there that I can implement into the website and the platform, but they cost money and they're not cheap. So um, yeah, that, that is definitely the goal because I definitely like want to prevent people from taking screenshots. Like I want, I want women to conversate and feel comfortable talking without feeling like, like life might end if they say something, you know, against someone that, might be petty enough and use it against them. You know what I mean? I don't want women to feel like that. Yeah, that's so true. That is true. Because you do got some people who are kind of suspects. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's cheering for you. Yeah. There's a quote on Glee that said, you know, if a crowd is making noise, it doesn't matter if they're cheering for you or against you. It's just a crowd making noise at the end of the day. Something like that. Hmm. Motivational. Yeah. So it's like whether they're, whether they're cheering for you or against you, that just is just still a crowd making noise. Yes, exactly. Something like that. But I was like, oh, <laughs> like 10 years ago. Yeah. But 
anyway thank you so much for joining our episode I feel like we could talk for days yes (laughs) thank you for having me again